Beloved, our text for this morning is from 1 John 4. 1 John 4, verse 9 and 10. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. This morning, I want to begin with a question. There are several questions. What is it that lies at the heart of our communion with God? What is it that lies at the heart of the gospel? Maybe you respond this morning and you say, well, it's obvious. It's obvious that the person and work of Christ lies at the heart of the gospel. The cross, the blood of Christ, lies at the heart of the gospel. And that's true, certainly true. What is even prior to the sacrificial work of Christ? What is it that brought Christ into this world? What is at the heart of the relationship between God and His people? What is it that draws you irresistibly to God again and again and again in the Christian life? What is it that sustains you in the Christian life if you're a believer this morning? It is the work of Christ that brings you into relationship with God and sustains you in that relationship with God. But if we dig away to the very foundation of the work of Christ and what it was that brought Him into this world, we have to answer this morning to all of these questions that it is the love of God, the love of God, the love of God that lies at the heart of communion, the love of God that lies at the heart of the gospel. What is it that deals with doubts and fears and sin and unbelief? It's the love of God. The love of God is the very heart of the gospel, the very foundation of our communion with Him this morning at the table. The love of God. You see, maybe we are afraid of even speaking of the love of God. Because we have misconceptions about the love of God. We have misconceptions about the love of God because we think of the love of God from a human perspective, from a cultural perspective, through the lens of our own experience of, of love on this side of glory. We're afraid to speak of the love of God 
Because maybe in our past there was something that was never spoken of before. Something that was maybe even forbidden to speak about because God was a God of judgment. God was an angry God. But this morning, this morning we contend that the very foundation of our life with God, of our communion with God, is the love of God. Without the love of God, we have no gospel. That's what we're going to see this morning from the Word of God as we meditate upon this beautiful, this grand theme of who God is. The love of God. You see, we don't ever meditate deeply enough on the love of God, do we? We don't ever grasp fully enough the love of God. We don't ever rest assuredly enough in the love of God. And so Scripture brings us there this morning. We return to the very foundation of our salvation, the love of God. That will be our theme this morning, the love of God. First of all, we want to see its definition, the definition of the love of God. How, we de- how do we define the love of God? How do we define something that we, we cannot see, something that we can only read about? What is love? What is love? Maybe you're familiar with the cultural expressions of that question. What is love? Growing up, I remember some of the songs that I heard, worldly songs. What is love? Don't hurt me no more. The absence of hurt is is the definition of the world's standard of love. What is love? Many people are asking that question as they face relationships and homes and workplaces and and media and politics and even churches filled with, with hatred, with strife and division. What is love? It's a question that everyone wants to define and no one has a a clear definition for. More recently, our culture has attempted to answer that question by placing a little sign in the front yard that says, love is love. What does that mean, love is love? This vague, indefinable feeling or sense of something that no one knows what it really is. But what is the love of God? Because when we answer that question, we answer the question, what is love? The Apostle John wants us to understand something from the outset about the love of God from verse 10. He defines it negatively. He says, herein is love, not that we loved God. Not that we loved God. The love of God is not found in us, first of all. That's what we need to have clear in our minds and in our hearts this morning. We do not love God. If that were the case, if the love of God was found in us as its source, 
That love would immediately be sullied. It would be made impure. It would no longer be love if love proceeded from us in the first place. Why would John begin this way in defining love? Well, because he knows the human heart. He knows that what lives within is not love. He knows that what lives within is sin. He knows the tendency of the human heart to define love on its own terms. Love is love. That's how we would define love when left to ourselves without Scripture guiding our definition of what love is. If we are simply living according to culture's definition, love is love. It's just love is what feels good. And if it feels good, then it must be the loving thing to do. Love according to human fancy or feeling. Love love that is restricted to human beings as its source will always fail. Why is that? Because it's a love that's always curved inwards on itself. It's self-love. Mere human love is selfish by nature because it's stained with sin. And so this, in this statement that John gives us here, we are pointed to our natural inclination not to love. Man in his sinful nature will never move towards God on his own initiative or by his own love. It's not that we love God. Nor will we love others naturally. And so we come to the table this morning as believers not because we love God. It's not because we love God that we come to the table. Sometimes we think that, don't we? Sometimes as we examine ourselves, we, we fall into this trap and we think that we have to come to the table based on the measure of our love towards God. And certainly we need to love God. But the problem is that we begin with our love to God. Then we say, well, we never have enough of it. And I'm not sure if I Love God sincerely. Our love to God is a poor foundation for communion, you see. Our love to God is a poor foundation upon which to stand on the day of judgment before God. We cannot stand there before God and say, Lord, I've, I've loved you like I should. No. No. If that's how we approach God this morning, then it would be up to us, you see. It would be our initiative. We would be focused on our love to God rather than His overwhelming love to us. So how do we define love if it's not a human source love, if it's not found in us? The Apostle John says it's a divine, divinely sourced love. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. But that He loved us. This is the definition, this is the order of love that comes down from above, you see. That's where we begin with our definition of love. Not down here in the realm of sin. 
But we begin our definition of love from above, from, from the realm of perfection, from where God is, from who God is. And then we begin with love that is so vast and, and so deep, a well that will never run dry. He loved us. Let that sink in for a moment this morning. He loved us. Think about yourself for a moment and all the reality of being a fallen, sinful, weak creature full of self-love. I trust the week of self-examination has at least revealed something of that in your life. But in His work of redemption, in the sending of His Son, He loved us. He knew what you were, believer. And He loved you in Christ. And not just past tense, He loves you now in Christ. His love was moved when it saw you while still in your sin. Paul says it this way in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth His love. He puts forward His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here is the expression of the divine love. He sees the unlovable and He loves them. He sends His Son to die for us. The definition of love is God as the essence of love. God as the essence of love. John says that God is love. God is holy love. God is love independent of any other being in the world. As the divine being, God is love in and of Himself. Pure, undiluted love. And the reality and the wonder of grace is that that love has spilled over. Though God could contain that love in and of Himself, it spilled over to sinful creatures like you and me. God doesn't keep His love to Himself. He demonstrates that love powerfully and graciously towards the unlovable. In verse 8, John writes, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Verse 16, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. God is the very essence of love. He is the definition of love. And if you want to know love, then you have to know God. That's the bottom line this morning. If you want to know love, you have to know God. Love is of God, for God is love. But you say, how do I know God if God is fully self-contained love? We've already hinted at it, didn't we? That love spills over. Christ 
died for us while we were yet sinners in the inestimable love of God. And in further defining this love of God, John states that this love is a heaven-sent love. In verse 10, but that He loved us and sent His Son. So you want to know God. God answers that for us this morning. If we want to know God, He sent His Son. The divine love was such that it could not be contained in itself. It must spill over as it seeks objects to love. This love is is sent from heaven in Christ Jesus. It's embodied in Christ. If Christ is God, and He is, then Christ Himself is the very expression of the love of God towards sinners. He is love itself, come to visit sinful humanity, come to visit again by His Spirit to draw believers to Himself in communion this morning. He is perfect love. He is powerful love. He is redeeming love. He is committed love. He he is holy and pure love. His love is whole and complete in itself. The amazing thing about this love is that God pursues those who are unlovable. He searches out those who have distorted His love. He seeks out those who are inwardly focused with self-love. His love seeks objects to, to love and to restore again. His love has moved Him to demonstrate that love. No wonder then that John says in 1 John 3, 1, Behold, What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. That little phrase there, what manner, tells us that this love is otherworldly kind of love. It's not a love that you're going to find in this world from man. It's a love that by definition comes from heaven itself that can only be understood in the face of Jesus Christ and his mission to this world. It's an otherworldly kind of love that breaks into our world of sin in order to redeem sinners and constitute them as sons. Love is defined not by how much we love God, but it's defined by who God is in and of Himself. It's defined by how God has expressed that love in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we define that love, we need to also remember the demonstration of this love. Because this will help us to understand love in a more full sense, in a fuller sense, than just speaking about it. That's our second thought, the demonstration of this love. Love comes from God because God is love. God is the definition of love. But God also demonstrates it. He shows it to us. But how? Well, if you think about it in terms of a marriage, how do you demonstrate love towards one another? I hope you use words to express love to one another. 
But I trust that those words are backed up with the actions of love. That your words are backed up with actions. Love in action backs up and validates the words of love. How true this is in God's declaration of love for His people. In verse 9, John writes of this demonstration of love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. In this was revealed the love of God toward us. Or in us. Meditate on that for a moment. God looks at the unlovable. And he says, I'm going to show my love to such vile wretches. His love was manifested, it was revealed toward us. Remember the imagery of Ezekiel? And the filth and the blood in which Israel was lying? Certainly, this was reason to pass by Israel and her uncleanness and sin, a picture of, of the, the waywardness of Israel. But listen to what the Lord says in Ezekiel 16, verse 8. Now, when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love, and I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. God spread his skirt over Israel while she was lying there in uncleanness, a symbol of his protective and possessive love for Israel. While she was laying there in her uncleanness, he demonstrated his love and he found Israel and he redeemed Israel again, again. You see, there's no sinner beyond the reach of this love that comes from heaven through Jesus Christ. Believer, when you consider who you were and then the fact that God showed His love to you, it's almost too hard to fathom, isn't it? The love of God is a love that's not merely contained in itself. It's revealed toward us. It's revealed in us. Paul writes in Romans 5, 5, that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. If this is what is foundational for bringing you into relationship with God, it is also this that is foundational for keeping you in relationship with God and keeping you in communion with God. The love of God. The love of God comes again this morning, seeking its own for communion. After a week of self-examination, you look at yourself and you say, how can it be? How can it be that God would come to me? Dear believer, how can it be? It can be because the love of God was manifested toward us. 
The love of God was manifested toward us. It was revealed in us because God sent His Son into the world that we might live through Him. That's how we can come again to communion. The love of God in Christ Jesus draws us to Him again. A force far powerful than our own sinful nature that still clings to us against our will. It's this love that is demonstrated to us again in the table this morning. Revealed, manifested toward us. And how is that manifested toward us? In the mission of the Son. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world. You see, John is setting up a statement here. In this was manifested. In what? In the fact that God sent His Son into the world. His only begotten Son. The word for sent here has at its root the word for apostle. Someone sent with authority for a particular mission. We'll see a bit more of that in our last thought at the table this morning. But the reality here is that God sent His only begotten Son. He came Himself. He embodied this love. The mission of God in sending His Son is a a mission of love for sinners. A mission of rescuing, redeeming love. To redeem lost sinners. To bring them into communion and fellowship with Himself. The token of this gift of love is in none other than in Christ. The Son is the one who bridges the gap between heaven and earth. Between God who is pure love and we who are impure. God gave His only begotten Son. Love put forward the best, the only begotten Son, so that you and I might have life through Him. Heaven's love found the best it could find for the worst. The love of God is sent to us. It's revealed to us in the Son. As we gather for communion, let's remember that God gave His best for sinners like you and me. Sinners who find their life in Christ. So if we want to know what love is, we have to know God. And we have to know Christ. But this love was demonstrated, wasn't it, in the measure of the love also. The measure of the love of God is seen in what God has given. Some people measure God's love by how they feel and how much they experience God's love. Maybe that's where you were dwelling in this past week. It's a human response, isn't it? To try, and, to try and grasp the love of God. 
And the experience and the felt sense of God's love can be a helpful and a beautiful thing in the life of faith to strengthen our relationship with God. But our experience of the love of God is not the primary measurement of God's love for sinners. Nor is God's love measured by how much you know about God's love and how he has revealed that love. Knowledge of God's love is important too. But if we want to know the measure of God's love, there's one word that we need to understand. Both the experience and the knowledge of God's love focus ultimately in on this one word, the demonstration of God's love in the sacrifice, the sacrifice of His Son. That is getting to the heart of the love of God, you see, as John speaks of it in verse 10. God's love is demonstrated in the person of His Son. His Son was sent. He was apostled. Why? Why was the Son of God sent, children? Why was Jesus sent into this world? To be the propitiation. Now, that's a hard word. It simply means that Jesus was sent into the world to die on the cross in the place of sinners. To be the substitute. To be the substitute. This is the language of sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice. And it's in this that the love of God was demonstrated in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is the very center, the apex of the love of God. The demonstration of the love of God is found in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If you want to measure the vastness of God's love, it is to know and experience the sacrificial nature of it in the gospel. To gaze upon the cross this morning and see there the vastness and the depth, the immeasurability of the love of God in Christ Jesus. And as we gaze upon the cross this morning and contemplate the love of God and the measure of that love, we say with the hymnist, how deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. So love is defined by God because God is love. It comes down from heaven. It's demonstrated, it's revealed in us, toward us, in the sacrifice of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the foundation of our communion with God this morning.
But this love also has a purpose. It has a grand design. And that's what we'll consider at the table, Lord willing, in a few short moments.